1: fans out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, of course, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. And we have a special treat for you today, folks, because we'll be talking about two intriguing new Susan Sarandon films, The Last of Robin Hood and The Calling. Our guests are film critic, Mack Bates, an avid Sarandon fan like me, and Scott Abramovich, who wrote the screenplay for The The Calling and served as a producer i Before we hear from Mac and from Scott, I want to remind listeners that the chat room is open, and we really appreciate our chatters as well as all our other listeners, of course. We also appreciate Mac Bates, one of our favorite guests and almost a member of the Movie Attic Headquarters family. In fact, he is, for being here again. Hi, Mac. Are you ready for our Susan Sarandon double feature today?
0: Oh, definitely. Bring it on. I'm yeah, pretty excited.
1: I knew you'd be. And if time permits, we can talk later in the show about your in-depth interview with Susan, way back um, when she was when you were doing, uh, uh, I think, the interview with, uh, with her about any anywhere but here. Oh, yeah, and as well as my book about her, which I titled appropriately, Susan Sarandon, a true maverick. But let's get right into the first movie we want to tell listeners about, and I'm just I just can't wait to talk about it. It's The Calling a mysterious, suspenseful thriller starring Sarandon as a world-weary detective trying to solve a series of gruesome murders. I think she's brilliant in this role. As usual, when she's on screen, I forget she's Susan Sarandon, movie star. And we're fortunate to have the man who wrote the screenplay and served as a producer for this excellent film with us. It's Scott Abramovich, so let's bring him on right now. Welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters, Scott hi Betty Jo thanks for having me we're so glad you could be with us I'm wondering how you became involved in The Calling I'm sure glad that you were but how did that all come about
2: The Calling uh, is based on a novel um, by a writer named Inger Ash Wolf and I actually read uh, an amazing review of the book in Entertainment Weekly of all places and um, after reading just you know a, a short review of it it sounded fascinating to me so I I bought the book and read the book, and then about maybe fifty pages in, a I knew that this was something that I wanted to um, try and option as, as a film, and b you know the first person that popped into my mind for Hazel uh, was Susan Sarandon. I never did. I believe that you know a we would we would get this movie made, and b she would be the star. But um, it, that's that's how it started, of all places.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! So it started with the book.
2: Yeah, uh, it's a fantastic novel. The, the writer, actually, the, the writer of the book's name is Michael Redhill, but he wrote it under um, the pseudonym of Inger Ash Wolf. So at the time that we that I read the book and that we optioned the book, uh, we didn't actually know who the writer was, and there was this uh, a big mystery about uh, about who is Inger Ash Wolf. Um, you know, we knew that uh, the press had 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 leaked the information that Inger Ash Wolf was a a literary um, writer uh, in Canada. Um So, there was a lot of rumors in the in the newspapers out uh, in Toronto about whether it was Margaret Atwood um, and uh, over years, you know we we sort of whittled it down because you know we had been dealing with the the writer 's agent and so we kind of knew uh, who it might be we weren 't quite sure, but uh Michael came out and outed himself as Ingrid Ashwolf about a year ago uh, right right at the time we were making the movie actually.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, had you ever d- adapted uh, a novel for, for the screen before? It,
2: it, was, uh, it, it was not my first adaptation. Uh, the first book that I adapted was, uh, was also a thriller, a fantastic novel, um, by the author William Deal, who wrote uh, Primal Fear. Um, oh, yeah. This, yeah, oh. so he wrote this fantastic World War II spy novel called, um, it was initially called 27, and they re- retitled it To the Hunt, that was the first book that I had adapted, um, but this uh, the calling is is the first uh, adaptation that 's made it its way to the screen
1: well, congratulations on on your wonderful work uh, with the adaptation of course i haven 't read the the uh, novel, but uh, if it's as good as the adaptation, I better order that book, too. And, Mac, I I think you have a question for Scott about The Calling.
0: Oh, yes. Um, I was uh, intrigued by him saying that Susan was his uh, first uh, choice when he first read the novel, uh... You know, he envisioned her uh, as the character, and I know that there are a couple of other books in the series. He, uh, Inger Ash uh, uh, Wolf actually wrote. Uh, I think it's a trilogy by this point. And are there any plans in the works at this point to adapt any of the other, uh, either the other uh, two uh, mysteries, uh, you know, for into films?
2: I hope we get that opportunity. Um, you know, I had a fantastic, fantastic uh, relationship with. With Michael Redhill, who wrote the books, uh, you know it's a little bit, uh, you know, especially the way the process went, where we didn't actually know who he was. Um, you know, you can you can be assured that that it was nervous, nerve-racking for us, knowing um, there's this person out there who wrote this, and you know here we are taking uh, taking liberties with it as you know films uh, always do. Um, and when Michael kind of outed himself as uh, as the writer, um, and we set up this meeting, which happened on set, in fact. Uh, for the first time, yeah, I was not sure how he was going to respond to seeing um, you know his work uh, taken and, and translated, uh, so to speak, to the screen, um, first by me and then you know collaboratively with with the rest of uh, the actors and director and of course. Um, and I was so excited by the fact that not only did Michael um, love what we we had done sort of bringing the world to life, but um, but all of the things that we did change from the novel he thought were, were fantastic and, and, and was incredibly supportive. So, uh, you know, if the film performs well and that there's a, a demand for, um, for a sequel, then, you know, that, that there would be nothing that would make me happier than to, to continue the, telling the story um, of Hazel McAuliffe and, and this Fort Dundas uh, police department.
0: Oh, that's great!
2: Uh, also, um, you had mentioned
0: that uh, there was a mystery behind who actually wrote the books, because uh, Michael had originally writ- written the book under a um, pen name, much like uh, Stephen King writes under a pen name from time to time. I hadn't really heard anything quite like uh, that along the lines of uh, this sort of, you know, like who who done it, like who who actually wrote this piece, uh, since um, there was a big mystery as to who wrote Primary Colors back in the '90s, where everybody was like trying to fish out who wrote this, you know, Clinton-esque uh, uh, tell-all. And uh you know what a big deal it was when uh that was finally brought to light and it seems like this was kind of on par with that. Well, people were like, Oh, of course we should have known it was, you know, him or or Margaret, you know, or, or maybe one or two other people that were in, in uh, contention as well. But um I'm glad that uh I'm glad that uh, you know, he took so well to uh the adaptation because I know, uh being a writer myself, sometimes writers can be very married to the material and if you make any changes it's you know kind of like ooh watch back because it's about to you know but they're about to explode so I'm glad I'm glad that you all had a pretty <laughs> even um you know a uh, a pretty welcome reaction in response to uh to, to uh, the adaptation of uh, of his
2: work um, yeah, as a writer, well, as know, a writer I'm oh, sorry go on
1: go ahead I, no i, 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 I just I was going to say I, as, a writer, I, I,
2: I'm, as a writer i'm sensitive to that you know having seen my work translated in different ways on screen and so um you know it's it's always a challenge to uh, as more people become involved with a with a with a project to see uh, how the the combined visions take place. Uh, you
0: know, speaking of that about the collaboration that you had and you know bringing bringing um uh, Michael's uh, book to the screen. How was uh how was your working relationship with a director? Were you a uh, presence on set or was it kind of like uh, you know when you were on set were you kind of uh, hands off or were you more hands on?
2: With this project, uh, it was it was all hands on. Um, Jason Stone, who directed the film, this is his first feature. Uh, you know, Jason had been uh, the director that, that we um, we chose. I mean, this was our project. My producing partner, Lonnie Debrowski and I had optioned the book, um, and we you know we met with a number of directors uh, early on. Um, and Jason, the second we met Jason, we knew that this was the guy to direct this film, even though this was going to be his first feature. Um, th- there was no doubt in our minds that this guy was was the right guy, and so the collaboration um, creatively started, um, you know, two years before we we got the movie made, and uh, throughout the process, it was uh, it was it was great to um, you know to have somebody who I knew saw the same vision that I originally did when I read the novel, um, and and you know on set it was not just collaborating with Jason obviously who
1: mm-hmm. you know who
2: was running the, running the film but also with the actors. And, you know, it was, for me, the experience of being able to be on set, be there to, um, to rewrite scenes, you know, even up until literally half an hour before we were shooting them sometimes, um, and going through it with the actors and, and getting their take on it and, and, and their understanding of what the character would be doing in this situation. It was both a learning experience and an amazing experience being able to watch it come to life.
0: Oh, I'm glad that you mentioned them. Experiences while working on uh, the project. Uh, is, is there a particular experience that you had that's uh, the most memorable for you uh, while working on
2: the film? Well, if we're talking about Susan, um, you know, Susan to me was was um, the heart and soul of this film, and um, and there was there were so many little moments uh, where her performance created um, some something visual that you just you you can't write and you can't you can't um you can't explain other than you know having a, an amazing actress interpret it into performance um you know there's a scene in uh in a bar where she meets her ex-husband um, for dinner and um, and you know their their relationship uh their backstory you know we don't go too too much into it so this is the this is the time um where we we had to understand that this was a man who she loved and still loves um but you know that who sh, who her her personality and her stubbornness had, had pushed away and um and how the loss of of his presence in her life was still felt by her um and so she goes to meet him and and he his new wife um calls and interrupts and so uh you know he, he has a drink, and she's, she's at the bar with her drink. She just finished her drink, and, um, and he is called away, and he leaves. And so we're left with Susan alone at the bar, and that's, you know, as scripted, that's where the scene ends. And Susan um, you know, takes his drink, pours it into her glass, raises it to the bartender, and takes a sip. And it just said so much about who she was, or who, her, who her character was, uh, and it was something that she, she did that, you know, that nobody was expecting and just blew us away.
1: Oh, okay well, she always takes such an interest in her in the in the script and and gets so involved with with the people that are making that are making the movies and uh it's just uh that shows too in in her performances. I really thought um uh, she was something special in this i mean i've I've been a fan of Susan Sarandon's for a long time. But this particular performance really got to me. You could just say, see from the very first time you saw her on screen that this was a woman who had been going through uh, some rough patches for sure. And she's, she's become, you know, pretty cynical. She really has, uh, no, she, doesn't, uh, she doesn't like interacting with people. And, uh, you know, she's kind of doing the job. She's she's sort of uh, drinking too much, for sure. And uh, even her mother, played by Ellen Burstyn. By the way, Scott, what a pair that was. Ellen Burstyn and Susan Sarandon in a movie together, and Ellen Burstyn playing Susan's mother. I never thought I would see that. Did you have anything to do with that casting? I know you were a producer on the film, too. We, did you have yes, any influence we, with that?
2: We did. Uh, in fact, you know, we we we, had, uh, we were involved with the casting all throughout the process. Uh, you know, we had a fantastic casting uh, director in Canada named Robin Cook, uh, but you know, she she was really involved with um, with with the supporting roles. The, the main roles were cast by um, by the producers, um, and you know, obviously, you know, we created this dream wish list of of actors who uh, who we could get and. At the top of the list for Emily Mc- McAuliffe was was Ellen Burstyn. <laughs> wow! And uh, you know, oh. I think I think the the fact that uh, Susan Sarandon signed on first um, gave us the opportunity to uh, to get the actors that we really really loved and wanted for all of the supporting roles, and even down to the small the small parts. You know, it, this is this is a, it's a Canadian production,
1: which um, mm-hmm.
2: you, you know, which, which which sort of limits you as a as a producer and a casting director, you know, to, to Canadian actors for the majority of the roles, um, but, you know, because we had such incredible talent, um, you know, at the top of this film, we were able to get the best of the best of, of the actors for even the smallest of roles. Yeah, I was about
0: to um, uh, mention uh, how um, Susan, she's also got a reputation for giving first-time directors a break. A lot of actors and her, uh, certainly, you know, who have reached uh, the level of success that she's uh, achieved, uh, kind of, you know, shy away from working with first-time directors, and they also shy away from taking pay cuts to work on smaller independent films, but she's always uh, been about the material. And um, I think, you know, this the, This film certainly shows that, you know, she goes where the opportunities are and, and where the challenges um, are, 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 you know, still at. And I was um, wondering in terms of... Um, uh, the casting of the the um smaller uh, parts. Um uh you mentioned that you had the cast a majority of uh Canadian actors in in those roles. How many how many Canadian actors are in the film versus American because of the of the cast I noticed that uh Susan and Ellen are probably the only two Americans maybe with uh, uh possibly Topher Grace too and I think everybody else is um Canadian.
2: You are correct. That's exactly it. We had uh, no, well, we, she... we had we had we had we had a, a maximum of of 3 um, actors that that were not canadian for to be uh, deemed a, a canadian production. Oh okay. Okay.
1: Wow. Well, you lucked out with getting uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, Susan and uh, Ellen and uh, with your with your whole uh, cast. I I particularly enjoyed uh, well Christopher Heyerdahl, am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh-huh. Who played who played this very uh, enigmatic role in it? I don't want to give too much away because there there are so many surprises in this. I thought he was just great. I love him in uh, Hell on Wheels on television. and I've become a fan of his. And then uh, also Topher Grace. It was kind of a, a kind of a, a good role for Topher too because he looked so innocent <laughs> as the newbie detective and. Um, the way the way the cast interacted and everything I thought was was just brilliantly done. What do you have any favorite scenes? Um, you know, it, it's so hard to pick favorites. I, what ends up
2: happening as uh, as the editing process goes down, uh, it, it turns it, it becomes the the lost sort of scenes become your favorites. You know, the the, the hardest part about um, about this process has been seeing that some moments that, that you treasure and love being cut from the film, and in particular, uh, you know, a couple of scenes with Susan Sarandon and Ellen Burstyn where, you know, their mother dynamic was, uh, mother-daughter dynamic uh, was explored further, which, you know, it's so hard to, to take those moments out of the film, but at the same time, you know, we, we, we realize that we're, you know, we have a thriller that, you know, that, that leans on the dramatic elements and character-driven elements but you don't want the movie to slow down too much um, and lose what I think most of the people who want it, are going to see this movie are expecting to see. Uh,
0: no, I actually, I had a question regarding the film. Um, where did you all film, and uh, when did you film? I'm assuming it was filmed probably within the last
2: year or so. Yeah, we we shot it about. You know, it's a li- principal photography was a little bit over a year ago. We shot in oh, okay. March and April of last year in uh, ha- well outside of Hamilton, Ontario. Um, Hamilton is this. Uh, is this industrial town that's, that it, it has hit some harder times uh, in the last decade or two um, with, this, with, with the closing of one of their steel mills. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a town that's got incredible personality in, in the surrounding areas uh, in particular, um, which, which were the small towns that we were, we were looking for. Um, and we were, we were so welcomed by, uh, by the city of Hamilton and, and those, um, those municipalities are around it that uh the experience of shooting, even in the cold weather um was was fantastic, yeah, I was about to say it looks pretty uh from the footage I've seen it
0: looks pretty cold during the shoot so uh yeah i was I was wondering whether or not um it was uh as cold as it uh, you know appears to be in the film or was it kind of uh you know you all played played up being a little bit colder, but yeah being canada i i but imagine about imagine 'cause uh here in Wisconsin we get hit by Canadian uh, air blasts uh, quite often during the winter and yeah it's uh... it's no joke for anybody who's ever experienced a Canadian <laughs> air blast you know exactly what i'm talking about and so it But can the be cold pretty was frigid. great.
1: I mean the scenes with the snow and the cold it just added to the movie and i wanted to go back uh, to what you said about the interactions the mother daughter interactions in the movie i uh, it was a highlight to me to see see those interactions, and uh, Ellen Burstyn just c- kind of brought a, you know, f- sort of a lighter, lighter feeling <laughs> to the, f- you need every once in a while in a thriller like this, yeah. it's so suspenseful and mysterious, and Ellen, I'd, I love the scene where Ellen was trying to cheer up her daughter, I mean, this, it, it, it just, is very, very hard to do with the character that Susan played, and and then she wouldn't even smile, the uh, Uh, Character the detective wouldn't even smile when her mother was uh, you know trying to cheer her up and then she finally says this line and I wonder if it's from the book or whether you wrote it in there. She says, "Have fun with your corpses." (laughs) (laughs) I I think I did write that line. (laughs) Yeah, it was the interaction
2: between the two of them was was uh, you know for just just to be around set and watching them act was, uh, was was was. Priceless. It was, you know, what what every filmmaker dreams of of being able to to do, um, and you know, the, the the that scene in particular. Um, I remember having um, the story that that Ellen Burstyn, uh, her character tells um, about uh, you know a moment when, when when things were better and her daughter was laughing, and she tells a story about her wedding. Well, that that story was actually. Um, from Ellen Burstyn's own wedding, <laughs> and oh, uh, oh. yeah, and so for me as as a as a writer, um, you know, sort of sitting around with Susan Sarandon and Ellen Burstyn about an hour before you know we're about to shoot the scene, you know, they, they start talking about some ideas about how we can kind of integrate mm-hmm. uh, something you know something a little more personal into it, and she starts telling the story and. It, it was it was it was so perfect that we just we literally uh, put it into the film. <laughs> oh, well, you know, good it, for it, you! I'm, glad you I'm touched, so I'm glad, glad you touched did. on that. Um, how much uh, ad-libbing
0: was, uh, was allowed? I know you know if they. I'm fairly sure they stuck uh, pretty closely to the script. But how much how much ad-libbing was uh, allowed uh, during the shoot?
2: Um, I, you know, there's a couple of scenes where where um, where there was a, a little bit of ad-libbing. Um, you know, the scene in the in the cafeteria. Which uh, which is in the trailer um, where where everyone is trying to figure out what these images um, are saying. Uh, we had you know Topher Grace who who comes from a, a TV comedy background where mm-hmm. you know I'm sure ad-libbing was, was a major part of the of the process. You know he he had um, there were a couple moments in that film where they where they were playing around with some really hysterical stuff. So we, sadly most of it didn't end up making the final film. But you know, there, there was so much fun about you know ideas on what these these mouths could be saying that uh, that was the moment I think that stands out for ad-libbing. But for the most part, it was it was a pretty structured um, shoot. You know, we didn't have much time. We literally shot the film on in 19 days. So the script, uh, you know, the script was was tight. We didn't have a lot of fat fat to kind of uh, play with. Um, so days were really um, you know. Towards the end, uh, a little bit of a, a, a rush sometimes because we, you know, we, we knew that we didn't have the luxury of doing multiple, multiple takes to uh, to play with. Yeah, by the time uh, the movie uh, production on the movie
0: had been announced and Susan's casting had been announced and Ellen and Donald, I think the film was pretty much done. You know, yeah. By the time I heard about it on Variety.com and uh, Hollywood Reporter yeah i think i I think that you all had just finished or so you were like like days away from finishing so yeah. yeah it was it was a pretty quick shoot from uh what i what i understood i i and it was uh, one of those things where it was just kind of out of the blue like oh who knew she you know was doing the Because I tend to keep uh on top of uh casting news for uh you know people that I admire like susan and you know others so yeah. um when when that came down the pipe, I was like I was excited because i was like it was a lead I'm like she's the lead you know she's been just doing a uh, you know a day or two on the film and you know, now that now that I've seen the trailer and I've you know read uh, read uh, a number of things about the film, you know, so it's going to be uh, interesting to uh, to finally check it out in its entirety. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, she was yes, busy you'll, you'll love it. You will definitely love it. And I I, I would be remiss not to mention Donald Sutherland in um, yes. uh, a very brief brief appearance in the in the movie. I mean, he wasn't in a lot of scenes, but. But he he was very very watchable and now so Donald Sutherland is a Canadian. Yes, yeah, he's uh, he's originally um, from Montreal or
2: outside of Montreal. Um, that's where he he lived a majority of uh, of his adult life and still has a place uh, outside the city in the in the countryside. No, I
0: heard that. Uh, now you can uh, you know um, clear this up whether or not it's true or not. I heard that uh, it was uh, Susan who actually uh, got him involved in the film originally. Like she, well, uh, she made it, called him up and asked him to be a part of it, and he I guess you know did it, his it a favor to her. Is that is that true, or you know has that kind of been convoluted through through the media?
2: i think I think uh it's a it's probably a little bit of truth and a little bit of the way the process played out you know we had we had been reaching out to donald um you know for for a couple of weeks um and you know he was really busy shooting something else and uh you know we had made him an offer and um i it, it's it's very possible that in the meantime you know there was some sort of communication between them. we weren't aware of it. But um you know clearly one of the re- one of the main reasons why he took the film role uh was to work with Susan. There's no doubt about that um and so i think I think that her her saying that you know she's the reason he's there and uh is a hundred percent true, and I think we could say that about about Ellen Burstyn and you know the majority of of this cast, you know where everybody was excited to to work with her and and um you know she did have. Um, she did have input into who uh, was going to be playing the major roles, and she loved the idea of Donald. So, um, you know, she, she came to uh, we came to her and told her who we were who we were trying to get, and including Ellen Burstyn and uh, Topher Grace as well. Um, and she was she was uh, involved with um, you know with the, the sort of casting uh, wish list and, and who we were going to. And luckily, we were able to get almost everyone we wanted.
1: Great! Oh, but, I think it's just you did. You got perfect uh, casting, and um, I was—I uh, know that she would want to work with Donald Sutherland because they were so great together in Lorenzo's Oil. So uh, to see the—you know—to <laughs> see them uh, in a movie together again—that's—that's that's always uh, something that I—I—I want to see. I want to see them more more often together. Do you know? Scott, that we've spent um, a half hour talking about the (laughs) calling and we have not exhausted what should be said about it because I just want listeners to know that it's that it 's especially uh, Susan Sarandon fans and people who lo- who love mysteries don 't miss it, so um, we did promise our listeners that we would uh, spend some time on the last of Robin Hood, which of course next week we'll be talking a little bit more about but um what is there anything else that you would like to, to add about the calling that you want our listeners to know, um, maybe when it's opening, where it's opening, um, those kind of things?
2: Sure, uh, that would be fantastic. Um, the calling is, is currently available um, in the United States on uh, a number of VOD platforms, including iTunes, Amazon, um, and uh, Comcast as yes. a sort of an early, mm-hmm. an early release strategy. Um, and then the, the calling is coming out um, on Friday, August 29th, this Friday, um, to theaters in, um, in the United States and Canada. In, uh, in Canada, we're going to be opening in Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver, and there's uh, 15 cities um, in the United States uh, where we're going to be opening. We're going to be in Los Angeles. Um, at the uh, Lemley Music Hall and the Universal City Walk um and then in in a number of cities uh, across the country and hopefully you know some more if if the film um if the film performs well so hopefully you guys can see it in whatever way platform you can um and uh, we're excited to get uh, to get feedback from everyone
1: oh i i just uh, hope it's a big hit i encourage the listeners to watch it whichever way they can i did see it um on Xfinity on VOD and um I do I still want to see it on the big screen because I think it would even even be better on the big screen and I I just want to compliment you and congratulate you on the job that you've done what was your role as a, a producer on this film I know there were lots of producers listed we, um, we,
2: my partner, my producing partner and I optioned the project. We, you know, we, we put together um, the financing package. We, we pretty much did everything along with our, our main partner in the film was Randy Maness, um, who who's in Toronto and who's a fantastic uh, producer as well. And then we, um, we, we did team up at, uh, at the last minute with, um, with Nicholas Tabarrok. Who had a lot of great experience shooting in the area where we were shooting, and um, and helped us kind of put together our, our uh, below-the-line crew, um, and uh, we were also lucky to work with um, with Christine Vachon, who um, you know who helped us sort of uh, massage the, the, the project uh, as we as we presented it to uh, to Susan Sarandon. She had worked with with, with Susan on, um, on a, I, I believe the the Robin Hood film. Um, with something yeah. That she, yeah. Um, and so she had just come off. She, Susan had just shot that movie um, with uh, working with Christine, and so uh, Christine knew knew us and uh, was sort of able to say, you know, even though this is a first time director, you know, these are guys who know how to put together a film, and uh, and and gave us a thumbs up that helped Susan, uh, you know, say yes to our project.
1: Well, it's a great team, and um, I wish you the the very, very best of luck. And I, I know that uh, that you said before the show that you you have some free time, and I hope that you'll stay for the rest of the show while we do uh, turn to the last of, of Robin Hood. But I want to thank you for being such a great guest today. I just feel so happy that you were able to to join us. But Our second Susan Sarandon movie is The Last of Robin Hood, and it follows Errol Flynn's scandalous affair with a star-struck teenager during the late 1950s. Cast members include Kevin Kline, Dakota Fanning, and, of course, Susan Sarandon. The film deals with the desire for fame and the high price it extracts. Kline plays Flynn. Fanning portrays the somewhat naive teen, and Sarandon is her fame-obsessed mother. So you can see, Scott and Mac, that this is a very different role than the detective she plays in The Calling. And I think that her splendid performances in both movies prove that uh, she is definitely a versatile actress. So some of the things that we wanted to, to mention about The Last of Robin Hood would be our general reactions to the movie as a whole, now, dear listeners, remember Mac Bates and Betty Jo Tucker are avid fans of Susan Sarandon. I think we have to, um, we have to let everybody know about that. But Mac, what was your reaction to *The Last of Robin Hood*?
0: I, I, I actually thought it was a pretty uh, entertaining um, um, biopic about a, uh, a personality that a personality that a lot of people know about but don't know a lot about uh, behind the scenes. Errol Flynn. Who uh, Kevin Klein, uh, you know, is is pretty masterful at uh, bringing the life in in the film. It was a uh, pretty in uh, you know big figure in uh, in film. You know, we all know him as Robin Hood. You know, that's that's how a lot of people were first introduced to him as Robin Hood, or you know, the swashbuckler on you know thousand and one um, uh, pirate ships. You know, back back in the thirties uh, and forties, twenties, thirties and forties, rather. But um, in this film, you get to they kind of. Pull away the veil, and you get a chance to get a glimpse at the man behind behind the you know, the swashbuckler. And it's a pretty eye opening film, to say the very least. And um, I think the performances uh, pretty much across the board. Particularly, uh, uh, Klein and uh, Sarandon, are extraordinary. And I think that uh, a lot of people are going to be surprised at how mature um, and, and 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 accomplished Dakota Fanning has uh, managed uh, to um, be as a child actor transitioning. Into adult more adult roles, even though she plays a a 15 year old, she actually uh, goes from 15 to 17 in the film. But uh, Dakota is uh, you know legal; she's 18. If I'm not mistaken, 18 or 19 by this point. And um, her her Beverly uh, Aidland is is a it's it's a pretty uh, nice portrait of a uh, of a uh, um, a young woman who's kind of uh, forced. To act a lot uh, more mature and a lot more grown than she actually is, uh, namely to uh, appease her uh, her mother, who really wanted to be the star, but um, you know life took her you know her in a different direction.
1: Exactly, and I'm so glad you mentioned the the performances. I, uh, this seemed to be like in the in the calling. <laughs> it seemed like a dream cast for the film. Uh, you know, uh, Kevin Kline actually played Flynn before in. Uh, Chaplin with robert downey jr and of course he played errol flynn in his younger heartthrob days and i remember the first time i saw kevin klein was in pirates of penzance where he channeled both errol flynn and danny kaye yeah and wow what an incredible athletic performance that he gave but in this movie in the last of robin hood klein looks like flynn he talks like flynn he swaggers like flynn but all the while making us understand how the man is deteriorating physically and mentally. And I have to say that the, uh, the way Kevin Klein and, and Dakota Fanning uh, interact in, the, in their scenes, you know, that's kind of disturbingly spellbinding <laughs> to me. Yeah, yeah and, you know, of course, great,
0: oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Oh no! I was just about to mention the uh, the ironic thing about uh, the performance and uh, uh, given by Klein is Klein is almost twenty years older than the real Errol Flynn was when he died. Uh, Flynn died in his early early to mid fifties, and uh, uh, Kevin Klein is in his late sixties. And yet, you know, um, it's it's uncanny, you know, the resemblance between the two, and it just goes to show that uh, nowadays people are aging in such a way where they, you know, they can. Uh, Significantly younger and, and get away with it, and, and you know, be completely plausible, even if they're you know nearly two decades older than the, the, the real life person they, they happen to be playing. So it's a
1: yeah.
0: it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty uh, uncanny um, um, uh, performance uh, by Klein, and, and you know, the fact that he was able to pull it off and not have anybody be the wiser that to you know the age difference, unless it's you know pointed out to you, it's pretty like wow. wow you know, if you look at pictures of, of um, Errol Flynn from the time uh, that uh, Klein plays him, and pictures of uh Klein in the film as uh flynn you know it's a, it's yeah it's it's a pretty masterful uh take and uh you I know you, right. you really um you're really quite impressed with uh how how they and he was not only able to able to capture his oh. essence but also able to resemble him so much and uh, I know Susan, I really
1: thought um, he was I, again, yep. I forgot that it's that it's uh, uh, Kevin Kline and uh, Fanning. She really looks mature for her age in in yes. this on this role, and she she does does project just the right amount of confusion and excitement over what's happening to her. But let's get to our gal Susan Sarandon. <laughs> <laughs> Look at what she does in this film. She tosses away all semblance of glamour. Um, of course it's in the calling. She was not too glamorous either.
0: Yes, yeah, to that as well, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, in order <laughs> you, to make the uh, make Florence come to life and you remember she did something like that in the dead in Dead Man Walking she got an Oscar. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah, really surprised in that movie she was that,
0: completely stripped. She just had foundation on. Uh, that that was pretty much it in that film. You know, playing a nun, you really can't uh, be concerned about appearance. And then she said she, you know, went and got a horrible uh, uh, haircut, and uh, you know, just had on foundation just so her, uh, you know, she would uh, be even, uh, you know, even skin tone on on uh, on film. And yeah, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, still managed to you know look amazing. So yeah. there you have it. Oh, it's hard it's hard to make certain people, certain women, and uh, you know, look bad. And yeah, she's one of them. You could put a you know a her know. in a hefty bag and a in a, a yarmulke and, a, and yeah she's gonna still look amazing.
1: <laughs> I think you're right about that. Well, she she really uh, I I have an idea that uh, well of course I'm gonna put uh, Susan Sarandon on my on my list. We always have to turn in lists for best performances of the year, and uh, Susan Sarandon uh, in this particular movie, I think should be up for uh, Supporting Actress, so I'm definitely going to uh, submit her name for Supporting Actress. And in the calling, Scott, I'm going to submit her name for Best Actress. So uh, I hope there are a lot of other people who do the same, a lot of other critics who do the same when the, the voting award season comes around. We'll talk more about this movie. It's really very controversial, and it is uh, quite a fascinating film about uh, people wanting fame and what they have, you know, and the price that they have that they pay for mm-hmm. for fame when it when it does uh, come to them. We had one more thing that we wanted to cover, and um, I just wanted to mention uh, how much I appreciate uh, Mac Bates for uh, keeping me. Uh, informed about what Susan Sarandon is doing. Uh, Ever since he did that in-depth interview uh, with Susan Sarandon, uh, I've just kind of followed his career. I was looking at my book, Susan Sarandon, A True Maverick, and I was looking back in the index, and I noticed Mac Bates' name has page eight, fourteen, seventy seven, ninety one, one oh three to <laughs> <In> the book. <laughs> so he contributed to the book. The book would not have been written or finished or or uh or won honorable mention at the New York uh book festival without Mac Bates' uh contribution. So
0: oh, So hard. Mac you're I wanna you.
1: I wanna thank you uh for that. And uh oh my gosh, the time has gone by so quickly And I I just have enjoyed it so much. I always enjoy talking about Susan Sarandon, but to do so with with you, Scott, and uh, the the wonderful work that you've done on the calling, and for you, Mac, it's just been um, really something that that has made me very, very happy today. Well, I see we are almost out of time, so I want to thank Matt Bates and Scott Abramovich for being such terrific guests. Thanks also to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support and to Dicky Starr for everything she does to make Movie Addict Headquarters happen. And here is a big shout-out to our chatters and other listeners for tuning in. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. Please come back next time when filmmaker Von Regensburger will be here to talk about his new film, A Remarkable Life, and believe me, it's a remarkable film. And uh, the leading man from uh, that film, Chris Bruno, will also join us, as will the um, co-writers and co-directors of The Last of Robin Hood, and that's Richard Glatzer and Wash Westmoreland. So it should be another fun show in the meantime don't forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com that's r-e-e-l realtalkreviews.com that's all for now folks so let's close the show with a song that just happens to be the favorite of many 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 movie addicts like me and if i can find it here on the switchboard yeah get ready everybody here comes Hooray for Hollywood!
0: Hallelujah.